Hello. Good to see you. Thanks. Nice to see you waving at the back out there. Um, hello. Well, my name's Nev, in case you don't know who I am. One of the pastors here. Um, yeah, thanks, Helen, for that. <laughs> I, I, I had COVID again about just over a week ago. Um, so I'm all clear now for about a week. But uh, just been a bit like, been a bit, uh, what do you call it? Tired. <laughs> so, but um, we trust God will be with us now. So, um, yeah, we've just finished a nine-week series on prayer, talking about prayer. But, um, and if you missed any of that, then I encourage you to go back and listen, catch up on it. Um, even though we've finished going through a series talking about prayer, we haven't finished with prayer, have we? We're only just getting started, and we want to keep pursuing that. So let's continue. But today we're starting a new series in the Gospel of Luke. Um, everyone say Luke. Say it one more time, Luke. Luke, just so you know, there's four Gospels. We're in Luke. And um, we believe, actually, that we have been kind of led, we've been led prayerfully into this series. We've been talking about prayer, and as we've been praying, we felt God lead us. Come, let's go through this uh, Gospel, and we're going to be exploring who Jesus is. And some of you might be feeling like, oh, we're going through a Gospel, okay. I mean, this is familiar. I know a gospel. We've done something like this before. Um, and, yeah, if, if that's you, I, I'm the same. I think, okay, yeah, going through a gospel again. I feel like I've done this before. Um, but I just wanted to say at the outset, I think there can be a danger um, about feeling overly familiar with someone or something that we can lose our sense of wonder and awe. So we might think, oh yeah, no, but if, if we're not careful, we can just think, oh, another series, let's go through some texts again and come and hear a series of talks. But I wanted to, this morning, we're just going to be looking, if you're following along, we're looking at the first four verses of Luke this morning, which is basically just the introduction. And just from the outset, what I'll say is that I could... I could have gone into a lot of depth this morning in terms of the historicity of Luke, who he is, who Theophilus is, uh, who we're going to hear about in a moment. I'm I'm purposefully not going to go into loads of depth about that. Matt's done a series of blogs this week, and, and it does go into depth in that, and I encourage us all to get into it. But as I was preparing, I felt a sense that God, as at the start of this series, God wanted us to prepare ourselves um, with, a, with a posture of expectation and humility as we come into this new series, as we come before him. When I was a, a child, uh, I loved art. I still like art. And if you asked me what I wanted to be when I was a child, I would have said an artist. Um, and... As I was growing up, I, I studied art. I studied it for A-levels, studied art and history of art. Um, partly because I was interested, partly because some of you probably sitting there thinking, oh, those are the easy, dossy subjects, where it's just a bit of fun. Partly was true. Um, but I also genuinely enjoy art. And, um, and, I, and I loved it, particularly when I did the history of art through A-levels. We would just sit there. I think we had like two-hour lessons, quite long. And we'd just go through slides, and we'd just sit and have a slide come on the screen, and we'd just look at it, gaze at it, ponder it, talk about it. 
It was amazing. I loved it. And I still like it. But you know what? I can even find myself now, if I went somewhere like the National Gallery. Has anyone been to the National Gallery in London? Yeah? Okay, quite a few. So we've got these amazing works of art. It's, a, it's an incredible place, free to go to. And the, and, but I could find myself going to a place like that. And if I'm not careful, I can just walk straight past an incredible work of art, you know, without even giving it a second thought, just like, you know, because maybe I'm on a mission to go somewhere else. And I think we've got these great paintings in the National Gallery, but what you can do if you don't skip past it is you can actually stop and ponder and look at it and just be amazed at, wow, look at that piece of art. That is amazing. And if you stand there long enough and look at it long enough and study it and think about it, you'll likely become even more amazed by it as you notice more of the detail of this amazing work of art. And then what you could do if you're really keen is you could maybe get yourself a guidebook or or, you know, one of those audio guides and go, well, I'm going to read more about this. And then you discover more things about this work of art, about the artist, about the specific details in the painting. They mean certain things to do with the narrative of what you're looking at. And you go, wow, it's amazing. And then if you want to take it even further, you could go, right, I'm going to come back to the National Gallery when I can see they've got a, an art historian who's going to be giving a lecture on this piece of art. And that way, when I'm there, I can listen to someone who is passionate about art, this work of art. And when I'm there, I'm likely going to become more passionate about it myself because their enthusiasm is going to rub off on me. And I think in the same way, we've got <clears throat> Jesus is with us today, amen? And the Gospel of Luke is all about Jesus, the life of Jesus, who he is. And we have this incredible gospel. We have this incredible account of the life of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, as well as having him before us. And we can quite easily, if we're not careful, we can just walk past the wonder of Jesus. We can wake up each morning and just forget about our Lord and Savior. And we can just get on with our day without stopping to just ponder him. And at the start of this series, I just want us to think we've got this amazing opportunity again to ponder the wonder of who Jesus is through the Gospel of Luke. And we can come to it, just like in the National Gallery, we stand before a painting, we could stop and I want, to start, I want to ask, are we going to be those that are going to stop and go, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to really take this seriously. I'm going to ponder who Jesus is through this. Um, we have these guidebooks that the, the National Galleries are saying to tell you about the painting. Well, we have the Bible, but we also have accompanying um, Bible studies, study notes. Matt's, as I've already mentioned, done this blog Bible study that he's doing every day. And I know we talk about that a lot, but I really encourage us all, let's, let's read it, let's get into it, let's, let's, let's enjoy and delve into the depths 
of this series and who Jesus is. In, the, in this gospel, we hear the story, and we'll come to it, of Mary and Martha. And I'm sure many of you know it. We've got Jesus coming into the house of these two sisters. One, Mary, one is Martha. Martha is busy rushing around in the kitchen trying to get everything sorted out for their guest, Jesus. Whereas Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. And and both are, are commendable in what they do, but Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better. And I wonder, will we be those that choose what is better? Will we humble ourselves and come with a posture of expectation at the beginning of this series and say, look, Jesus, I trust that if I come to you with a posture of expectation and I actually stop myself to be before you again, I, I, I can trust that I won't be disappointed. Do you believe that? If you, if you come to Jesus and you, you, you spend enough time with him, do you believe you would just walk away unchanged? Or do you believe that Jesus can actually do incredible things and change your life? Because I believe that. And I'm excited about that at the start of this series. But I just feel that God wants to really highlight this to us. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you feel like, I feel like I've grown a bit distant from Jesus recently. You know, you could even be really involved in the church, doing stuff at church, doing stuff in life. But if you actually stop for a moment and just think, Jesus. We were just singing a song about gazing on the beauty of Jesus' face. I see your face. It's beautiful. And those are lovely words to sing. And I hope that's true. But do we do that? Do we actually stop? Like how often in a day do I stop and I just go, Jesus. Let me just stop and say, yeah, you are beautiful. You are here with me. And so that's my desire as we go through this series. And I hope that it will become all of our desire to grow closer to Jesus. So let me, let me just pray. And then we are going to read the first part of Luke. So Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your presence here with us right now. I thank you, Jesus that you are beautiful. Jesus, I just want to acknowledge that you are Lord and Savior, that you are the Lord of this church, of us. Lord, without you, we are lost. But with you, we have all hope and purpose and joy and satisfaction and fulfillment and Um, Lord, we know that we can trust you in all things. So help us, Lord God. I pray today and at the start of this series and in the weeks ahead, Lord God, we will be those that are longing to know you more, maybe for the first time or maybe we've known you for years. But Lord God, refresh our hearts, refresh our souls this morning as we dig into your word. Amen. I'm going to ask Seth to come and read this morning. Have we got a microphone? Uh, Helen. Can we give it up for Seth? Seth, you're going to read the first four chapters of Luke. No pressure, but this is the first part of the whole series, all right? So take it away, Seth. 
many have undertaken to draw up an account of things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us from those from those who the first eyewitness and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Philippus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Amen. Thank you, Seth. Thank you. That is the word of God coming from the mouth of one of our young people, our next generation. Thank you, Seth. Um, so those four verses we just heard, um, what do we learn from that? Well, uh, well, just in summary, what is being said there is this is Luke, and he is introducing this gospel. He is specifically writing it to Theophilus. And Luke is wanting to give a carefully researched account of the life of Jesus to Theophilus, as well as the spread of the early church, as he goes on to do in the book of Acts. So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. He also wrote the the Acts. And if you didn't realize, Luke wrote a lot of the New Testament, more than Paul, in fact, um, so this whole account in Luke, this whole account in Acts is written by Luke. Um, and he wrote it to Theophilus so that he may know the certainty of the things that he had been taught. So we believe that Theophilus is maybe a Roman uh, high-ranking official that Luke knew. And, uh, and we trust that he's, he's wanting to be uh, assured in his faith and strengthened. And so this is what this account is doing. Now... Um, What struck me in these verses as I thought about them was the very personal opening of this gospel. You see, Luke's not writing um, a general account. It's not like he's been asked by some publishers, Luke, you're you're a clever guy. Can you write us an account um, that we're going to put on the bookshelves for the mainstream just for people to read? Now, although many people have and continue to read this, that wasn't uh, where he was coming from. He was writing to one person, Theophilus. And that's why, as we go through this, it comes across as a very personal gospel. Um, I was just reminded of when I was a kid, I I used to write letters to one of my best friends, Um, even though we just lived around the corner from each other. um, We used to like writing letters, putting them in the post box and then getting them. And I loved it, and we, we wrote, and we also drew funny pictures to one another. They were, I mean, they were just nonsense, really, but, but whenever I received one of these letters in the post, I recognized the handwriting. I knew immediately who it was from, and it wasn't like I took it, and I just, like a piece of junk mail, went, oh, yeah, well, maybe I'll look at that later. I'll put it on the side. I've got other things to do. I was eager and expectant when I got this letter. I was like, ah, oh, I can't wait to see what's in this. I'd open it up get it out, read it. I was excited and keen to know what was in this letter, particularly because I knew it was written specifically for me. And in these open verses of Luke, we see that this was written specifically for Theophilus. And do you know what? This speaks to me right from the outset of the character of Jesus. 
Why? Because Luke displays a care and a focus given to one person here. He's saying, Theophilus, I'm writing a careful and orderly account of the life of Jesus just for you. I'm writing this for you so that you may know the certainty of things you have been taught, so that this might strengthen your faith, Theophilus. And Luke is showing such care and devotion to this one person, and, and this speaks to me about the devotion and care that Jesus gives to many individuals that we read about in this account of Luke. We're going to hear all the many stories. We hear stories about how Jesus um, had his feet anointed by a prostitute in the house of a Pharisee, but yet he gave focus to this lady and he commended her for what she did. We read about how um, the woman came and touched the hem of Jesus' garment who was suffering and she came in the busy crowds, if only just to touch him, hoping that she might be healed. And do you know what? Jesus stopped in the midst of the busyness of these crowds and turned and focused on this woman and gave her his full attention and he brought life to her and he healed her we've I've already mentioned he met Mary and Martha in their home two individuals and he gave them his focus and his care he met a tax collector who was hiding up a tree or trying to see him rather from up a tree Zacchaeus and he went to his house and he changed his life. We hear about how Jesus gave his focus and care to the healing of a man with dropsy. He was you know, swelling in his body. And Jesus said, come to me. Let me restore you. Let me love you. He healed the crippled woman. He, he, he came and brought these ten lepers. He healed them. We hear of him talking about the widow and her offering, just the small she had. And he said, I care about you. And this woman, she's amazing. I love her and I love her heart. He, he gave focus and care to the, the thief dying on the cross next to him. He said, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus did remember him. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And he gave care and focus to when he rose again from the dead to the two disciples as he was walking on the road to Emmaus. And he spent time talking with them. And he, he also gave care to the fishermen, these lowly uh, people in society, really. And he said, you're going to be the ones that follow me. I'm going to invest time into you. See, no matter what their background, race, gender, status in society, Jesus had, and he still does have time, and he has great concern for people, particularly those who are considered outcasts or misfits. I don't know if you've ever felt like a misfit at all, like you didn't fit in. Um, I remember when I, I felt a bit like that when I turned up for my new job at Waitrose. I, I worked there on Saturdays. I turned up as a 16-year-old, hot off my paper round, now progressing to a Saturday Waitrose boy. And when I got, I mean, I was, you know, when I was a kid, I looked very young for my age. So turning up here, like, as soon as I could at 16, I probably looked like I was about 12. People are like, what is this kid doing here? Um, but I was there, and I did feel like a misfit. And I remember walking into the kind of staff area during my break, and you've got all these people in their groups, and you're like, Ugh. and I did feel like a misfit. I'm like, what am I doing here? But you know what? It took just one person to welcome me in, to say, 
do you want to come and sit with us? Come on, come and join us. And that's all it takes, doesn't it, sometimes, when we feel like a bit outcast. Just one person's kindness can make a huge amount of difference. And you know what? Jesus is the one who welcomes us all. He welcomes you today, no matter who you are, no matter what your background, no matter what your status. Jesus welcomes you today. Jesus loves you. And you know what? When Jesus works in your life, he might use you to be that person who displays love and care and kindness to someone who considers themselves a misfit. And you might be that person that says, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to love you. And they might say, why? And you say, because Jesus loves me. And this is Jesus at work in my life, showing love and kindness to you. Jesus says, actually in the, the Gospel of Matthew, we read these words in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Maybe you're feeling weary and burdened today. Jesus says, come to me. And do you know what he says? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That idea of a yoke, being yoked together with Jesus, saying, come, come close. Learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble or lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus welcomes you today for the first time. Or maybe for the hundredth time or thousandth time, Jesus is welcoming you back. Maybe today is a significant morning for you where Jesus is saying, come back to me. I know, I know you've drifted, but come back. I'm welcoming you to come back to me. This is the Jesus who gives the parable in Luke of the, the prodigal son that we all know so well. The son goes off and he, 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 he just wastes his father's inheritance and he comes back and the father runs and embraces him. If that's you today, the father welcomes you back through Jesus. And so I want to ask again, what's your posture before him and what will it be today and in the coming weeks? Will you come before Jesus with a posture of humility and expectation? I was in bed last night and uh, Rachel was saying, just get to bed early. So I did. Just don't do anything, just lie there. So I lay there. I had a nap in the afternoon, so I, was, I actually wasn't falling straight to sleep and I was just lying there. And I was just kind of just going, Jesus, yeah. Hello. <laughs> you know, just a moment of quiet. And, and I was realizing, like, even last night, you know, you're preparing a talk like this, and I'm even thinking to myself, wow, Jesus, I just get so busy for you all the time. Like, how often do I really stop and just be completely still and just say, Jesus, here I am? Just like Mary. No agenda, no like, I don't know, even, even in my own devotional quiet times, I can feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm before you, Jesus. But even then, if I'm not careful, I can, it's a task, get through it. But like, Jesus, I, I do want to know you. Do you want to know Jesus more and more and more? Do you really want to know him? Do you want to know him like Mary knew him and loved him? I do. And I think that's a real challenge for us. And I just want to put it out there again, like maybe even this week, can you find some time to just drop everything? Just find a quiet spot. Maybe just go, I'm going to take an hour, right? I'm going to take an hour. I'm just going to get a chair. I'm going to just sit there. 
I'm not going to put my phone away. I'm just going to sit and be still. And just say, Jesus, just speak. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel said that, didn't he? And God spoke to him. Do we expect Jesus to speak to us? Like, do we have that expectation? Or are we just kind of going on and on with everything that we have to do each and every day? Do we make time and space? The lady who touched Jesus, the hem of his garment, she had expectation that she would be healed. Mary came with a posture of expectation that she would be refreshed and amazed. The dying thief on a cross had a, a posture of, well, humility and expectation in that horrible moment he was in, but he just said, I mean, actually, he probably didn't even expect Jesus to welcome him to paradise, but he just said, I'm humbling myself before you, Jesus. Do we humble ourselves? Do we come with that before Jesus? And so, yeah, as we, as we go through this gospel in the coming weeks, let's not just say, think, oh, I'm coming to church. We're going to have another talk on the next bit of Luke. We're going to go through it. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Okay, we, it might be all those things, but let's come going, whoa, can't wait this morning to hear about Jesus again. I can't wait for the fact that the Holy Spirit can bring the Word of God to life to me in a new way. Even a bit of text that I've read a hundred times before, the Holy Spirit can do an amazing work in my life if I come to him with that expectation and that humility and say, God, I believe you can speak to me this morning. Let's do that each week as we come to the Gospel of Luke. There's a guy called Mike McKinley who wrote a book called Luke 1 to 12 for you. And uh, he wrote this. Thanks, Matt. I got this um, quote from you, but um, I thought it was great. It said, one of, the great, one of the very best ways for believers to grow in Christ-likeness is to spend time learning about and contemplating the story of Jesus as recorded in Luke's faithful narrative. This is an amazing narrative. Luke was a Gentile, but he was a, he was a physician. But he was also a, he took this seriously. He did his research. This is a really strong account of the life of Jesus through many witnesses. So he's done a great work here. And we can learn a lot about Jesus through that and through the power of the Holy Spirit. But it says we can spend, we can grow in Christ-likeness by learning about and contemplating. And going back to that idea of being before that work of art in the National Gallery, I can learn something about a painting by looking at it for a few moments. I go, yep, that's a painting of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, I can see, and the people are coming through. I could look at it. But if I contemplate it for a long time, I can go, that's a picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. What an amazing painting. Wow, that speaks of something that actually happened. Jesus, you actually did that. Wow. And can you see that? The longer you contemplate something, the longer you contemplate the wonder of Jesus, the more um, that you can be in awe and amazed by who he is. Um, you know, we can, you can, I've probably said something like this before, but you can, you can watch a film or a series on TV, Netflix, or Prime, or whatever you watch things on Disney, you get really into something. If you watch something like that just before you go to bed, no doubt first thing in the morning you're going to wake up and it's going to be on your mind. You go, yeah, wow. 
if we, just before things like going to bed, waking up in the morning, if we cast our mind on Jesus, we're going to be more likely to wake up excited about Jesus. And so that's why we, I, we as elders want to encourage you as we go through this series, get into it, read it, really give yourself to it. Maybe buy yourself a journal and say, I'm going to write all my thoughts about this as we go through this. Draw pictures, whatever you want to do. See, like I said, we can walk straight past a painting, a, a magnificent work of art, and not give it a second thought. But if I walk past a masterpiece in the National Gallery and, and, and don't take it in or don't give it any of my attention, does it make it any less of an amazing work of art and a masterpiece? No, it doesn't. It's still what it is. And in the same way, does my lack of interest in Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, make Jesus any less magnificent and sovereign? No. Jesus is still the Son of God. He still is God. He still is magnificent. Nothing's going to change that. But the thing is, as a Christian particularly, I'm going to miss out on the richness and wonder of really knowing Jesus if I just ignore him. When I don't bring myself to Jesus in a posture of surrender and patient expectation each day, I'm far more likely to find myself fearful and fretful about the things of life. A bit like Martha. She's rushing around and she's anxious. Don't you care that I'm left to do all this stuff? And that's not to say we haven't got loads of stuff to do. But... If I truly give myself to Jesus each day, there is an underlying sense of assurance and peace. And that's not to say we don't have difficult things going on in our lives. But if we leave Jesus, if we forget about him, and we grow, allow ourselves to grow distant from him, we're not going to know that depth of wonder and assurance that we have in him. We need to humbly ourselves before him. In a moment, we're going to be um, worshipping. We're going to be singing again. We sung some songs earlier, didn't we, about Jesus. I want to encourage us as we sing together in a moment, let's really give ourselves to Jesus. Let's really sing to him. Let's really take in the words of the songs we're going to sing and own them. And say, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. You are wonderful. Jesus, you are my rock. You are my firm foundation. There's a question here. Am I excited? And this is in the blogs, or it might be in as it changes this week. But um, am I still excited to learn and help others to learn about Jesus? Am I using what little brain power I have to grow my understanding of the faith? Do I read scripture, good books, or listen to podcasts that grow me? Am I seeking to use my resources and influence to help others to do the same? What would it be like if we were all so eager about Jesus and then eager to let others know about him? What would it be like? What would our community be like, I wonder? I wonder if we could all stand
I was just thinking about, um, as we kind of concluded this, as concluded this message, a kind of a, a response for us. I was thinking maybe I should actually say, like, come to the front, this kind of thing. Actually, I feel like this is just something for all of us, where we are, to have a moment now just to respond. Sometimes in church, we put our hands out like this. Some of us do that and all the time. Some of us don't. Some of us maybe don't know what that means. I mean, in simple terms, we're just saying, Jesus, this is a posture of, of openness and humility before Jesus. So I'm saying, Jesus, I'm open to you. I'm not closed. I'm not saying, Jesus, oh, you know. I'm saying, Jesus, in humility, I come before you and I say, look, I have, I really, I bring nothing. But I thank you that you bring me everything I need. Come, Jesus. And so right now, I just want to encourage us, you don't have to do this, but it might be helpful as a response to just stand now and just physically say, if you want, this is, if you want to be someone who's saying, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to take this seriously. In the coming weeks, as I go through this gospel, I want to know you again. I want to know you in greater depth and intimacy. I really do, Jesus. And I'm opening myself to you now, and I'm saying, come, Jesus, have your way again in my life. If you want to surrender your life again to him today, or maybe for the first time, I just encourage you to put your hands out now. is isn't anything super spiritual. Like I said, it's just saying, Jesus, here I am. Here I am before you. And right now, Jesus, I, I thank you, Jesus, that time and time again, you welcome us when we drift from you. Jesus, we look to you now. We lift our eyes again to you. And we say, Jesus, you are beautiful. Lift our eyes again to you again, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and work in our lives today and in the coming weeks. Lord God, draw us into a deeper sense of intimacy and love and hope in you and in your gospel. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, come. I pray you would refresh individuals right now in this room. Lord, all around this space now, come and renew hearts, Lord. Renew hope and faith in you again, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We come to you, Lord. We're not coming to anyone or anything. It's not about anything I'm saying. It's about you, Jesus. And I trust you, God that you can turn lives around, that you can turn dark situations and bring them back into the light. Lord Jesus, we surrender our lives to you again. Holy Spirit, come and work amongst us. We're going to sing to you now, Jesus. We're going to open our mouths and declare that you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings because that is who you are. You are Lord of all. You are Lord of my life. You are Lord of the majority of lives in this room. And we say, Jesus, you are our King. You are the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we praise you, and we're going to sing our praises to you right now. Amen. Let's sing and praise him.